It's the writing on the wall that drives me crazy. It always makes me call a good thing bad. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you are already doing so, thank you and tell your friends to do so as well. Besides nhte.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't despair if you don't see your favorite on there. Look for this show almost anywhere that you get podcasts. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, who calls himself a music historian. He has had two Top 75 Americana Music Association charting records and is currently recording a blues album to be released in spring of next year. He has toured for more than 15 years, including last month and this month in the likes of Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, and Tennessee. And on February 1st, he will even be playing up in New York. He has opened for the likes of Blake Shelton, Jamie Johnson, Kid Rock, and many more. And he has an impressive list of endorsements, which we will also talk about today. You've been hearing a song of his called Good Thing Bad. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Mudbone. Thanks, Bruce. Good to be here on uh, Now Hear This Entertainment. I appreciate the opportunity to come talk to your listeners. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you making time to do this. Oh yeah, we. Uh, I, I love to get a chance to uh, to talk to the folks that uh, that I try to represent through my music. Any chance I get. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, let's start off by having you tell the listeners all about the song of yours that we were just playing called "Good Thing Bad." Well, you know, uh, I average around six thousand miles a month uh, on the road. Mm. Um, my tour manager and I, Ty, he uh, he does a lot of the driving, uh, and while I, I'm doing a lot of the working uh, on emails and all those little things that go on behind the scenes. And the good thing, bad about what it is that we do is that we're always having to leave. Uh, a favorite place of ours ah. but the good thing that's that's the bad the good thing is that when we leave a favorite place we're always headed to our next favorite place <laughs> so uh yeah, there's it's a bittersweet thing when we take off on the highway you know uh i, I hate to leave the good time i hate to leave my friends that i have all over the the world at this point and uh something happens in a threshold when you get so far out of a town you get to uh, a point where now you're looking forward to all the friends in the next favorite place down the road. So that's that's the good thing, Matt. I love that. What a great hook. That's, that's a it's a great perspective oh, thanks, too, man. Yeah, it's a great perspective to have. It's it's very positive in terms of an outlook. That those of you who listen every week because you're trying to learn from me and my guests, take some lesson off of that in terms of every place that you're performing. That's the best place to be that that particular night. I, th- I think that's what you're implying, Mudbone, yes? 
absolutely. We're always where we're supposed to be. I love it. I love it. Before we get too far into all this, I've been blessed to get listeners to this show from 149 countries around the world. So since some folks are going to be just getting introduced to you for the first time, talk about that reference that I made during the intro to you calling yourself a music historian. Explain that. Well, you know, music uh, has manifested itself many different ways in human history. And I choose to spend most of my focus on uh, very early American roots music, um, mid-1600s to uh, late 1800s. Uh, there was a transition uh, that happened from America being a place where many different sounds had gathered individually, and it turned those individual sounds into our sound and uh, it's hard to document because a lot of the people that are responsible for making those leaps and changes uh, simply weren't documented and it's hard to know who did what when you're when you get way back in that time period but it's uh, it's easy to see how things happened uh, one of the examples I like to use is that um, and we'll do a, a school we'll, we'll go to school here for a second but in <laughs> 1720, 1724, the French monarchy created a system of laws called Code Noir. It was a list of regulations and privileges for slaves. And, you know, everything west of the Mississippi River at that time uh, was, was a French-owned thing, and that included Louisiana and, and New Orleans. And uh, there was a place that developed, and one of the laws in this, this code said that slaves were allowed to freely congregate in an area outside of the city limits on Sundays. Hmm. Um, and that sprouted uh, marketplaces, typically African marketplaces, Caribbean marketplaces. Haiti had a lot to do with, uh, with the slave traffic and trade that came in through Louisiana. And that, that reason is why things like jazz uh, developed – People would bring instruments from all over Africa that had never been played together before, mm. and they were forced to be able to improvise with with each other. And that is the very taproot of not only jazz, but um, the African contribution to American roots music. Wow. Wow. So uh, when when that happened, it sort of uh, – it, cre- it, it created this proliferation of – of sounds, the French viewed slavery differently than the English. On the other, on the eastern side of the Mississippi River, the English were very stringent about uh, the code and the daily life and practices of slaves. So that's where, you, over in the Mississippi Delta, on the east side of the river, uh, where English slavery existed, you had the development of blues through things like ring shouts and these coded messages that were disguised by Bible stories, but they were. They were they were transmitting messages across a, a plantation to each other uh, that helped them all survive daily life, and that is the taproot of what we call blues and, and delta blues. Amazing, amazing. Well, and so the, I think the moral of the story here, listeners, is that the music that Mudbone is creating, you're acknowledging the roots, pardon the genre reference, of where this all came from. You're acknowledging the history, and and you are performing this amalgamation of all these different confluences that you just described. Am I pretty close here? 
Oh yeah, you're you're right on point. You know, uh, I compare it to a river that's uh, the Black River in Northeast Arkansas, where I'm from. It's the dividing line between the Ozark Mountains and the Mississippi Delta. And when you're on the Ozark Mountain side of that bridge that that spans the river, all of the music is bluegrass and mountain music. Um, all of the music that happens on the western side of that river, it's all flatland, delta, cotton, and soybean fields. So it's all blues music. But they call that river a dividing line. Mm. Uh, I call that river a bringing together line because sediment from each side of the river is washing into the river, and that's what makes the river the river. So I, wow. I compare American music history to a river uh, where people think blues and bluegrass are two different schools of thought. But they're not. If you play them along with each other, they fit mm. together nicely. They they're on opposite sides of the beat from one another, so they complement each other. Wow! Just like the banks of a river. Wow! Wow! I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. And listeners, when you really dive deep into all things Mudbone, when you get online after you finish listening to this episode, you'll see some of the stuff that he's talking about. I saw myself references to Irish influences. I saw what you mentioned about Africa. Uh, I do want to point out, by the way, listeners, if you're just coming on board with Now Hear This Entertainment, we have had guests on this show from 11 different countries, including, I have to cite one specifically because Mudbone just mentioned Haiti. Episode 120, Mi Yu is her name. She's a Haitian singer-songwriter, and she did talk about a little bit of what Mudbone is saying. So you may want to go back and check it out. I'll put a link to that episode on the show page for Mudbone's episode on nhte.net. Also, in my research for today, Mudbone, I saw something written about you that said, quote, his mission is to create positive social change through music, end quote. Talk about that. Well, there's two points I'd like to make on that. First of all, music in its essence was created or discovered or however you want to say that to make people feel better. That's the purpose. There's a healing in that that is not only healing on an individual level but also on a cultural level. Um, I believe music is the dialogue that uh, and the contributions made in collaboration instead of discord by African African Americans and European Americans, our music is a symphony of collaboration between two cultures that seemingly have been at odds and have found it difficult to navigate our social conditions. So I feel like music is where we begin the dialogue that heals that. Hmm. My second point is, I, I, you know, we have a lot more, and I said that African and European music has a lot more in common than it is different. One of the things that I like to point out is, you know, we were talking about Haiti. Uh, the banjo came from Africa. People identify the banjo as a bluegrass mountain instrument. Yeah. But it's, it, it came through Haiti from Western Africa mm. as an instrument called the, bon, the bonza. And there was a sheepskin stretched over a gourd with uh, a, a stick wedged through it to be a neck and sinew uh, used as strings. And it was plucked. Um, 
They That instrument came to Haiti. It was developed a little bit more. That instrument, still called the Bonza, came to New Orleans, and sometime uh, in the late 1800s uh, or early 1900s, it had developed into what we now call a banjo. So, again, there's that collaboration between European culture and African culture that is a highlight of commonality and the real basis for real dialogue about positive cultural change. Wow. Wow. I see it. And thank you. Wonderful description. And, you know, I think that it's a area that probably needs to be brought to light more because, yes, you're right. On the surface, we all do initially see the healing properties of music and Sometimes I think we romanticize it a little too bad. And in fact, it really does mean so, so much to so many people, especially when the lyrics speak directly to them and they think that song was written for them. But what you're uncovering here, what you're bringing light to is a much broader view a 50,000 foot view, as they like to say, and very good historical perspective, something that I think can only unite people even further. So hats off to you for bringing this up and I don't want to say championing it, but taking charge with a message that we don't hear enough of. Well, it's it's simply me expressing a view. I, I was lucky enough to grow up uh, in northeast Arkansas on the hill country and mountain foothills of northeast Arkansas, and then again that river you'd cross over into the Arkansas side of the Mississippi Delta. But uh, when I was a kid, my dad moved to Teoc, Mississippi, and I got to go down to Teoc. Teoc is uh, 15 miles from uh, Itabina and in Indianola, Mississippi. Uh, and, you know, B.B. King was born in between Indianola and Itabina. And there was a that flourishing and expansion that happened that turned into blues music happened literally in his backyard. And it I was very fortunate enough to be able to grow up in a place that had mm, had that impact, not only on, you know, when I say American music, all those things that happened, it American music changed the soundtrack of the world. So it really is uh, fascinating to me, and I was lucky to grow up in the place where sharecroppers changed the world. Mm. Wow. Wow. Well, and all that based on something that I saw in my research for today that was written about you. Something else that I saw written as being attributed to you is a quote where you said, as an artist, my goal is to remind everyone that we're all here to elevate each other. As an entertainer, my job is to make sure we all have a good time doing it, end quote. You know, there's a lot to that because as an artist, you know, Art is a calling. Entertainer is is uh, a pleasure, pleasurable job. Uh, I'm I'm honored and, and very happy to be able to go entertain people all over the world. Um, my calling as an artist, I, I understand the responsibility. Uh, I don't view it as an entitlement. I, be, I believe it it is a responsibility to reflect the human condition back to itself, so that the people that are receiving it feel represented. And then that's where that healing starts is now all of a sudden this listener is listening to a song 
that the words are resonating deep within them for their own reasons, and they feel like those deep emotions uh, are they've been acknowledged at that point, and they don't feel that those emotions are their own because here's some guy on a stage reflecting their emotions back to them. Yeah. So there's an understanding there, uh, and that's the art part of it. The entertainment part is um, the good side of the good thing bad. The entertainment part mm. is getting to walk into a room full of times and things and places full of good people, and the fellowship and camaraderie that the art brings along. So I, I believe that's a responsibility uh, rather than an entitlement, and uh, it's it's a responsibility that's also a blessing. Yeah, it's a it's a privilege and not a right. Absolutely, absolutely. Listeners, if you are like Mudbone, meaning you are creating music of any kind, whether as a hobby or you are an independent recording artist, get yourself some gear from Tascam, whether that's anything from a handheld recorder that maybe you use to capture song ideas or a songwriting session that you're in, or all the way up to a mixer or even a high-res stereo master recorder. They've been in business for more than 45 years and have a recording solution for you and whatever you're working on, demos, singles, EPs, recording your live show. Outfit yourself and your home studio with equipment from Tascam. Get on their website, Tascam.com, and see the full line of gear they have, and then find a dealer. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. Mudbone, I mentioned in the intro that you have toured for more than 15 years Let's do two separate questions here. Sure. The first one is, check this out, listeners. Mudbone, you've played at venues and events ranging from South by Southwest to the House of Blues, the Hard Rock, the New Orleans Jazz Fest. For the benefit of the listeners who are up-and-comers that subscribe to this show so they can learn each week from me and my guests, is there something you can point to along the lines of advice in terms of what took place that allowed you to start performing at those better venues and events at some point in your career? Tenacity and determination. Really, if I have to pinpoint uh, specific things, you know, there's always, there is such a thing as just being in the right place at the right time. And, and that's a part of it. But, you know, that doesn't happen magically. That happens because you motivated yourself to get up off the couch and go to that thing that you necessarily may not want to go to uh and that's where you meet that person that can help lead you or help your trajectory uh go to a higher plane that's it it happens when you're not looking for it um and be nice to everybody you know don't ever judge a book by its cover. Assume everybody you speak to is the president of the United States. Mm. Well, and I love the advice about tenacity because going hand in hand with being in the right place at the right time, you're never going to be in the right place at the right time if all you do is stay home. And yes, the ultimate offer, the ultimate opportunity that you get may come while you're home in the form of a telephone call or an email, but it's going to come because you were determined to put yourself out there and mudbone, like you just said, go to places or events or even gigs of your own that maybe you wouldn't really be too crazy about doing, but you know that there could be some potential return here 
And so I'm going to have this dogged determination to just be everywhere, to meet everybody, to perform as much as I can. And eventually those breaks will come. Those opportunities will start to show up, but they're not going to if you just sit at home waiting for the phone to ring or for someone to email you because they magically found you online and you never left the house. Right. Uh, that you can't meet that person if you're not where they're at. And I don't see how if you don't already know them, they're going to show up at your house. You know, that's that's not how that works. And never underestimate enthusiasm and the principle of simply going the extra mile for people. Yeah, yeah, well said. Of all of the contacts that I've made, of, of all of the the forward-moving things that have ever happened in my career, um, the largest percentage of those things happened because I went the extra mile for someone. For no reason, I didn't didn't necessarily know them. I didn't I didn't have an agenda to to get something out of them. I simply went the extra mile for somebody, and then that resulted in a chain of events that led to forward expansion. Let me dumb this down for everybody and make it really really simple. Recently, another podcaster told me, "Hey, I saw that on your personal Facebook page, Bruce." you put something about your Amazon affiliate link. I just wanted to let you know, I put that on my site for you. He didn't have to do that. I didn't ask him to. I didn't know that he did it. I thought that was really great. I thanked him immensely. And lo and behold, a week later, as luck would have it, I had somebody that was a tremendous, tremendous fit for his show. I told them, this is the situation. He went and talked to the guy. He's thrilled. He's going to be interviewing this guy for his podcast He was just so happy, and look at that. So he went into that thinking, I'm just going to do this for Bruce because I know him and I like him, and it looks like he would probably appreciate the help. And lo and behold, it ended up coming back around that he did benefit from it, even though that's not why he did it. So it's just that simple. And Mudbone, another question then regarding live shows. I also mentioned in the intro that you have opened for a long, long list of headliners So I wonder, has all of that experience been in education itself for you in terms of learning about big shows, maybe meeting some of those folks themselves, having conversations with them, or even getting some lessons about the business that artists just won't get exposed to by playing in local bars? Absolutely. Uh, You can learn anything from anyone or any situation. Uh, and I would rather say you can learn anything from everyone or every situation. <laughs> um, if you walk away from anything not having expanded your consciousness, uh, you didn't do it right. Mm. It's it's as, it's as simple as that. You can uh, that knowledge happens, and it's very very uh, it's it's a blessing to be able to. Walk backstage at the Wild Horse Saloon and have a conversation with a hero. You know, uh, Charlie Daniels comes to mind. I opened for Charlie Daniels at the Wild Horse Saloon very early in my Nashville career, and uh, he had been sitting on his bus during our set, and the 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 live feed from the PA was being piped to his bus, and he was listening to the show. Mm. We ended our set with the Allman Brothers Band, uh, the Greg Allman song "Whipping Post." And, you know, we ended the song, 
And I, uh, you know, you get after a show like that, you're kind of in a hurry to get off stage. I unplug my guitar, I turn around, I, I turn my amplifier off, and when I look up, I see that hat and that beard mm. and two folded arms standing right in front of me. Mm. And he just looked up and he said, "That's some mighty fine slide playing, son." Wow. And uh, like I, I left my body at that point. In time. <laughs> I was in, uh, I, you know, I, I love Charlie Daniel, and you know his contributions to writing, to storytelling, uh, to, to being a wordsmith. Um, you know, Charlie Daniels had a lot of influence on me and that, that was a, uh, uh, an absolute blessing, uh, to be able to experience that and then, you know, go backstage and sit and just have a conversation about him, uh, about the music business, what we were doing. Not only does it provide an education, but it provides a serious amount of motivation. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's a case of where it's someone that he doesn't have to do that. Like you said, he could have stayed on his bus. And the fact that he did it, you know, it also tells you that, okay, he did that because obviously I must be doing something right. So even though you have a lot of confidence in yourself and you say, I wouldn't be here opening the show for the Charlie Daniels band if I wasn't doing something right. All of a sudden you hear it from him and it's now it just means the world to you coming from someone like that, as opposed to your best friend who's going to say, yeah, man, you guys are awesome. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I, I know you're sincere. I know you're being supportive. But, you know, gosh, Charlie Daniels tells it to you. And like you said, that's like an out-of-body experience right there. He's been there. And as a music historian, just to have somebody say that to you that, uh, you know, I, Dwayne Allman is my guy. He's a hero. Uh, when Charlie Daniels, said that's some mighty fine slide playing that's coming directly from a guy who knew Dwayne Allman that was uh, I mean Mm. I I can't really even find the words to describe uh, what that meant but I do know that that thought will wander around in the halls of my memory as long as I have it but I want to take a guess here an educated guess listeners Mudbone and I are for all intents and purposes just meeting for the first time you sound to me, though, as someone who goes into those situations thinking, I'm going to learn something, period. I don't know how or where, meaning that you don't go into it saying, I'm going to meet Charlie Daniels. I'm going to meet Kid Rock. I'm going to meet, insert headliner here. It's, yeah, it would be nice if I did, but I know I'm going to learn something anyways. Am I right? Is my intuition correct about you that way? Yeah, you know, I, I, like I said, I try to approach every situation or every conversation that I'm in as a learning opportunity, you know, even, you know, gassing up the van, you know, you (laughs) you learn something there, you know, if you're looking hard enough, you can find a lesson in anything. Well, but my point is that for those that are listening that are saying, wow, I would love to open up for Blake Shelton. I'd love to open for Jamie Johnson. I'd love to open for Kid Rock. I'd love to open for Charlie Daniels. Yeah, they're good opportunities, but don't do it because your only reason is I'm going to meet the headliner and they're going to teach me lessons. There's so many other lessons that you're missing out on if that's the only one you're looking for. That's my point. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're, you know, those lessons are are valuable and you, you they're backed up by some pretty serious experience uh, in some cases but you know when you're at the end of the night when you're having a conversation with the bartender you you can often learn just as much if not more yeah and there's no guarantee you're going to even meet the headliner anyways so you definitely don't want to go into it 
with that goal in mind because it's not going to meet your expectations. You're going to walk away disappointed instead of walking away really satisfied with your performance and what you did learn from other people that you talked to. Yeah, and, you know, I learned early on to uh, to not create expectations for, for uh, grandeur for any of that because it's the music business. You know, that's a, the, it's, uh, I've, I started touring professionally, uh, around age 12, 13, hmm. uh, hopping on Greyhound buses, riding down to the Mississippi Delta and playing in different bands with, uh, with my dad. He played, he was a great keyboard player and, uh, we were sort of a package deal in a bunch of, uh, uh, country and blues bands that, uh, toured around through the Delta and, uh, I, just counted it last night. I'm I'm in my 28th year of being a professional touring musician. 17 of those years were in Nashville. Um, sometimes it may there were a lot of opportunities for me to leave, and there were a lot of times when I probably would have saved myself a lot of heartache and and disappointment had I left and pursued something different. But those opportunities don't come to people who give up. Yeah. Those opportunities come to people who stick with it and know that if your agenda is to be famous, if your agenda is to be rich, uh, if your agenda is anything other than to make pure music that makes people happy and healed, then you're probably going to have a difficult time. You know, that's a, that's a very important thing. If it's not something that you do, because you have to. Uh, if you don't feel like you have to be a musical person, then you're probably going to have a hard time. Well said. Um, well said. It, it's it's one of them things where uh, the uh, the rewards aren't always financial. The rewards are, man, they vary. They vary all over the place. I have a song called Christmas Whiskey that deals with uh, alcoholism and PTSD in combat veterans. And, uh, it was a very sensitive subject. I didn't, it took me a year and a half to write the song. Cause you know, I didn't, I was writing something that I wasn't fully aware of because I'm not a combat veteran. And there was a night that uh, a fellow who is now a dear friend of mine, uh, when he introduced himself to me, um, he walked up and he, he didn't say his name. He didn't shake my hand. He didn't say anything. The first thing he said uh, amounted to the first time I heard Christmas whiskey, I was in the process of committing suicide. Mm. 22 veterans a day commit suicide because they it's hard for them to cope with, with the things that they have to see and do. Um, that And when you say thank you to a veteran, you don't know what you're saying thank you for. They know. And they know that you don't know. So the crazy thing is that you're thankful. What you're thankful for is that you don't know. Wow. Um, wow. And there's this guy walked up to me and he told me that the first time he heard Christmas whiskey, he was in that moment. And he got locked into the story. And then he realized the story was could have been his own. It was his story. And he said by the end of the song, he wasn't in that moment anymore. And mm. he changed his mind and he decided he wanted to live. Wow. So that's a reward oh. uh, in itself. 
I could never write another word, and I have been successful as a songwriter. Yeah, yeah, amen. Um, the guy amen. found out the next day that he was going to be a father for the first time, and now he has a, a, a wife and a, and a beautiful daughter uh, mm. running around learning how to how to make all kinds of a ruckus. Uh, she's she's four years old now, and uh, amazing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch because when I was writing that song, I was really scared that it would go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to have to have that experience, those that's the reward, not money, not fame. Amen. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, Entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, on December 10th, December 10th, I saw a post on Instagram where a performer was saying that they're now booking for 2020. I should hope so. But the lesson here is also, you should always be booking for any time. If someone contacted you on, say, April 2nd, 2020, to book you for Valentine's Day 2021, are you going to say, sorry, I'm not booking for the next year yet? I should hope not. In this business, you're always open. Don't put something online that otherwise gives the impression that you're not. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Mudbone, I mentioned back in the intro that you're recording a blues album targeting a release of next spring. What does that project look like right now in terms of are all the songs written and you still have to record? How many songs do you envision being on the album? Where will you record? Who will you work with on this project? That type of stuff. Well, you know, I, I played guitar for other people for 17 years here in Nashville, and it took me a long time to find a uh, an engineer and a guy that was had really great ears, really great producer ears. Uh, his name is Zach Kasich. And this guy, he uh, he knows what the sounds are in my head before I tell him. <laughs> and that sort of a relationship is uh, is absolutely necessary. Um, so it's a Wild Feather Studios here in Nashville, and uh, Zach and I are. Um, most of the material is written. I like to leave some pieces of songs unwritten. Uh, musically as well as lyrically, so that way when I get in the studio with the band, those guys create, we'll, we'll use a bridge as an example. Um, if I don't come up with a trajectory for the bridge, um, I'll use that energy that the band collaborates on instantly in that moment, whatever they come up with, and then you'll have accents and beats and melodies within that bridge that sort of inspire some lyrical ideas that that are where you go. So I, I, sometimes I don't like to have the song completely written before yeah. going to the studio. I like to uh, allow parts of a song to develop organically in the studio. Yeah, I like it. So uh, we'll be doing a lot of that. 
um, you know, the working title right now is Mississippi Roadhouse Blues, and that's what the album is going to represent. It's going to be those uh, juke joints I played when I was a kid, mm-hmm. uh, and and all of the sound, wonderful sounds of the Mississippi Delta, um, and uh, early electric blues, some acoustic Delta blues. Uh, we're we're going to go through the gauntlet of it, and uh, we've got some real exciting things I'd love to be able to announce, but I don't want to jinx it, and, <laughs> but I'll let you know if they happen. Well, I did mention back in the intro that you had two Top 75 American Music Association charting records with the Rivers and Roads Project. So with that kind of success, I'm curious as to why you would do a blues record next instead of writing that Americana momentum. Well, you know, the wonderful thing about the Americana chart or genre is that it is a safe harbor for African blues and European bluegrass. Uh, As I tour Americana stations all over the country, you know, I love when I walk into a station on Tuesday and the pictures on the wall are B.B. King and Muddy Waters and and Ray Charles is playing – uh, on air. Huh. And then Wednesday, I walk into an Americana station and they may be playing, uh, Bill Monroe, um, and, and the Steelwoods that day. So I love the diversity in the Americana genre. Um, so I, I plan on releasing it to, to the Americana, uh, music chart uh, as well as the blues charts. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't really choose, I don't really I don't write, I, I don't allow agenda or politics or, or preconceived visions about what business moves I want to make to affect my inspiration. If I'm inspired to pay homage to my blues roots, uh, I'm going to do that. I don't, I don't make music to chart. Um, I, I don't write songs to, with the intention of I'm on a. I'm writing a hit today. I, I you know, I, I let the song write itself. Yeah. If it's, uh, I, what are they in Nashville? They have a uh, a phrase for that. It's called chasing the radio. Mm. Um, I don't chase the radio when I write. Uh, I just the the writers that influence me the most have taught me that you just let the song write itself. You're not writing it. It's already written. It's just blowing through you. So let it write. Yeah, and if you're planning to do a blues album and one day you feel inspired to write a gospel song, you're going to write the gospel song. You're not going to say, nope, it's not a fit. Well, Rivers and Roads, it's it's interesting. They told me I couldn't do it, and if you if you want me to do something, tell me I can't, because that's kind of how I Rivers and Roads, part one is like a riverboat trip in 1927. All acoustic music, Delta Blues, Bluegrass, and gospel. Uh, no electricity on the, on the record. Part two with a 13-piece band that has a six-piece horn section. I got Johnny Neal from the Allman Brothers playing B3 Hammond at the same time that Cowboy Eddie Long, uh, who tours with Jamie Johnson and uh, played with Hank Jr. for 15 years, uh, he's playing pedal steel. Mm. So I have them both playing, you know, at the same time. Creating those textures between blues and, and, and country or African music and European music, creating textures that are common between those two things is, is very important to me. And so when they told me that you can't make a record that has bluegrass, gospel, and funk on it, I said, watch this. <laughs> and that's what we did. Good stuff, good stuff. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, 
by singer, songwriter, guitar player Mudbone. You can find him on all the usual social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Be sure to engage with him on those and keep up with him online so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live. His music is streaming on Spotify, so you can certainly follow him on there. However, support him by purchasing downloads of his music from Apple Music or even from Amazon. This episode is being released on Christmas Day. That does not mean that you're going to stop shopping through Amazon, though, so don't forget that any time of year when you are going to purchase anything at all from them, start first by going to my show website, nhte.net, and scroll down to the tall Amazon banner. When you click on it, that will open your Amazon shopping app if you're on your phone, or it will open their website if you're on your computer. And then once you're finished making a purchase, they'll kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the various costs that I have in putting out a new episode of this show every week. Of course, you can support NHTE directly by contributing through the Patreon for this show. At NHTE.net, click the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button, and then go watch the short video of me there and read the information about getting involved at whatever level you feel most comfortable with, whatever you can afford, which, by the way, in turn tells me that you do feel you're getting value from this show every week, whether that's educational value from me and my guests and or entertainment value. I do greatly, greatly appreciate it. Mudbone, I've referred to you a couple times now as a guitar player, but during my prep for today's show, I saw something where you were playing stand-up bass. Are there other instruments that you play too? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I like to mess around on a dobro. Uh, I, I, I can... I, I grew up around a great piano player, so I don't even know if I consider myself a piano player, but I can play a piano um, to some degree. Um, I, percussive instruments uh, I like. You know, I just got back from Scotland, and I decided uh, as a uh, ancestral thing uh, that I am going to learn to play the bagpipes. So wow. that's, uh, the, you know, I, I love world instruments. I love sounds from all over the world, but... Uh, uh, you know, and I actually, I just wanted to say before I go any further that as soon as I get off the phone here, I'm going to delete my Amazon app and I'm going to create a shortcut to your page on my home screen. Whoa. So all I got to do is go hit that and then click on the banner and make that happen. And I'm going to do it. And I encourage everybody that's listening right now to do the very Whoa, same thing. Whoa, that's so cool. Thank you. Wow. That's a that's a Christmas gift for me. Thank you. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, we're here to help each other out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mentioned this back in the intro, too. Wow, you've got quite an impressive list of companies that you're aligned with while we are talking about gear. Go ahead and give a shout-out to them and the gear of theirs that you are using. Well, Stella is uh, my guitar, and it's a Taylor 615C cutaway. And, uh, you know, I can't thank the folks at Taylor enough for... Uh, Taylor making a guitar for me, and uh, that it was a blessing to be able to get. It was a great experience to be able to go through, and uh, uh, I love that guitar. It's, it's with me everywhere I go. Uh, EMG pickups uh, that they they help me out a lot. Dunlop Mesa Engineering. Uh, you know that's one of the things is the longer you stick with it, the more people you meet, and you realize that there is a system and an infrastructure for artist support from product companies. And, uh, it, you know, you got to do the research. you got to figure out who the artist reps are for the companies. 
uh, and figure out a way to submit and approach them and submit your stuff um, and and make those things happen. And they do happen, but they're not going to happen unless you make it happen. That's right. That's right. Listeners, I don't like to call anybody out, but I'm on to you. I, I know that you're digging some of the great tips that I'm leaking out each week on this show that I'm getting from the Access Vegas newsletter. You're hoping that I keep sharing the nuggets that I'm reading in there. But here's the thing. I'm barely even scratching the surface with what I tell you about each week on NHTE. You need to get it in your inbox, too, so you can spend time going through all the great insider information that they have in there. Even if your next trip to Las Vegas is currently unscheduled, you've got to stay on top of that city and all the changes constantly going on and how to navigate through it all. Again, go to my show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and then during sign-up, use the code BRUCE and get $5 off. When the time comes to go to Las Vegas, you'll be glad that you did because They'll help you save money on common things that so, so many visitors don't realize they can get discounts on. And by the way, this is without coupons and stuff like that. So again, go to nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, be sure you're putting in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Mudbone, we're about out of time here, but I said at the beginning of the show that you'll be performing in New York on February 1st. So with the new album coming out in the spring, are you planning lots of dates for... 2020 that maybe haven't been announced yet or maybe i think you referred before to a a booking agent or a touring manager that maybe they are lining up lots of live shows for next year or or is there maybe even another chance of a headlining opportunity meaning you opening for a headliner to play this new music that you're going to be releasing on the new album well you know i said earlier that i had a lot of things that are super exciting that i'd really love to be able to announce but (laughs) man i hate to say things are gonna happen i like to say this is what happened uh rather than here's what's gonna happen the music business has taught me that don't you know just because you think it's gonna happen doesn't mean it always is and so i don't want to divulge too much but i will just say yes to every item that you yeah you, in other words you are going to be on the road a lot in 2020 and so you know i stay on the road I, I i love it yeah so listeners make sure you keep up with mudbone online so you can see any announcements that he makes you can see where and when you can go see him perform live and you know i love that you just made that point that in the music business you almost can't even say you have to wait until the ink is actually dry because Listeners, we're in the middle of a blog series that I'm running right now. The second of a, it's a three-part series just came out on Monday. Natalie Gelman, you know she's been on this show before. She actually got asked by ESPN to film a segment of her performing her interpretation of the Monday Night Football song. And they taped it and everything. She was sitting in front of the TV that night, watching the game, waiting, 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 waiting. So this was a done deal. This wasn't up. See, you shouldn't have announced it. So learn these lessons from people like Natalie and Mudbone, because in that case, it just never aired. And that's just something that happens with live television. And so Natalie's walking us through that in this blog series. When you go to nhte.net, click into the blog section and read about it. But Mudbone, I love that you are restraining yourself and saying, I'm going to wait until everything is official, official, signed, sealed, delivered. So as much as I'd love to get the exclusive hats off to you for your experience and saying, I'm going to wait until the right time and everybody will find out when I'm ready to announce it. Well, you know, I, I just I feel like it, it, 
it doesn't happen until it happens. <laughs> and just because you have a piece of paper saying that something's going to happen doesn't doesn't mean that it's going to happen. Uh, and, you know, the example I like to use about that is Garth Brooks, uh, the Chris Gaines project that he did where this alter ego came out and there was an album and everybody's like, what is Garth Brooks doing? Yeah. He had signed a movie deal. The, that album was supposed to be a soundtrack to a movie about an artist named Chris Gaines. Uh. Garth was scheduled to play. The movie never happened, but Garth ended up with warehouses full of Chris Gaines CDs, wow. and he tried to make it happen as best as he could make it happen. Wow. So that that's the story behind the Chris Gaines thing. Um, so even for people like Garth, man, just because you think something's about to happen, it doesn't happen until it happens. Mm. Well, that's a great example, and and all due respect to Natalie Gelman, but if it can happen to Garth Brooks, listeners, it can happen to you. So, wow, that's absolutely that's a heck of a lesson learned. Mudbone, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one that's appropriate because of today's release date, and a song that you talked about earlier called Christmas Whiskey. So before I let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Well, you know, Christmas Whiskey, like I said earlier, it's a very special song, and there's a lot of folks that... Uh, you know, Christmas and the holiday season is a difficult time for us. So uh, I'd like to dedicate that song to, to those folks today. And, you know, it's the story of uh, a soldier who uh, has had a, uh, a lifetime of learning to cope with uh, the memories and the pictures in his mind of the battles that he's gone through, uh, not only in war, but in the war back home when he got back home. So uh i'd like uh i'd like to thank all of the folks that have gone through such things for all of us so that we don't have to know what that's like and uh all the folks that have a difficult time during the holiday season uh just like you to know that we're all thinking about you and uh we hope you have a merry christmas as well and you can find peace here in this season and also it's uh it's the story of uh a band sitting in a bar on christmas day complaining about having to be away from the ones they love when uh, this soldier, uh, retired veteran, combat veteran, uh, explains to them all, all of the reasons they should be thankful that they have somewhere safe to sit on a Christmas day. And I would also like to mention that proceeds, if you go online, uh, any of the online music sites, if you go online and listen to Christmas Whiskey, proceeds go to the RNDA Military Assistance Program. And 100% of what they bring in goes back out to help uh, soldiers who suffer from the effects of PTSD. Well, Mudbone, wow, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you. Appreciate your time. And I have to say it since it's coming out this episode on 1225. Merry Christmas. That's right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, Hug your loved ones. Tell them you love them. And uh, uh, everybody have a Merry Christmas. And... uh, 2020 may it bring you everything that your heart desires and to you as well hope to see you out there on the road at some point and and that our paths get to cross face to face listeners that will do it for another episode of now hear this entertainment my sincere thanks to let me call him singer songwriter multi-instrumentalist mudbone (laughs) i will put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net to his official music page on facebook so you can go like that but then also be sure to follow him on Twitter, follow him on Instagram. It is mudbone underscore music on both of those. Subscribe to his YouTube channel as well, and then watch and like the videos on there. 
For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Keep up with Mudbone online so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live, as well as to get updates on the new album that you heard him talking about that's coming out next spring. His music is on Spotify, so you can certainly follow him on there, but support him by purchasing downloads of his music through Apple Music or through Amazon. A reminder about helping support me in this show, I am for all intents and purposes a one-man operation doing all the writing, recording, and editing of this show, as well as booking the guests, doing the promotion for it, and so on. As a result, I would love your help with the costs associated with producing a new episode every week. I'm optimistic that you are getting value from listening and subscribing to this show, educational value and or entertainment value. It would mean a lot to me if you would say so by contributing through the Patreon for Now Hear This Entertainment. Find it by going to the show website, nhte.net, and clicking on the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button. You can give in whatever amount you wish. That would definitely feel like a Christmas gift for me. And then also, as I mentioned before, anytime at all that you're purchasing anything from Amazon, you can help the show that way too, meaning go to nhte.net first and then scroll down, click on the tall Amazon banner, and you're off and running. If you're on your phone, it'll automatically open the Amazon shopping app for you, or if you're on your computer, it will open their website. Either way, once you complete your transaction, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps with the show's expenses. And not only is it at no extra cost to you, but I don't even see how much you spent or what you bought. So you get to help me out and the show without it being a direct expense to you. That's going to do it for episode 307. Merry Christmas and thanks so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Mudbone. This is the one you just talked about. It's called Christmas Whiskey. About having to be away When a broken old voice Whispered from back behind the bar Must have never seen Christmas From the front lines of a war And then he told us all the story Of a distant bygone age And a battle full of heroes On a bloody Christmas day And then a night on pins and needles With only one reprieve A flask inside his jacket Just said open Christmas Eve It was a shot of Christmas whiskey From a million miles away Where I know that they all missed me Lord, I was missing Christmas Day And it smelled just like the timber In my old Kentucky home In a foxhole in a desert On a silent night alone The Christmas whiskey Dusted off the bottle He began to speak again He 
said he won the fight But when he got stateside Things were never quite the same And he couldn't keep from drinking No matter how he tried It was the only thing that eased the pain And the pictures in his mind And he said it was snowing that December When he took a shot too far And he watched those Christmas taillights As they faded in the dark It was a shot of Christmas whiskey Drove them all away And they never did forgive me For what I did that Christmas day And it hurts when I remember My old Kentucky home In the rest of those Decembers That I sat there all alone With a Christmas whiskey Was a shot of Christmas whiskey that made us stop and think and realize the sacrifice that we never had to make. And it smelled just like the timber in his old Kentucky home in a tavern in Alabama on a silent night alone. The Christmas whiskey it was a Christmas whiskey, a Christmas whiskey.